0: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Who Moved My Bird I am your host, Clienty Tammy, and I go by That Girl Tammy on Instagram and Twitter. You can also use the hashtag Who Moved My can to join into a conversation. This week, I was joined by Rachel, co-founder of Afrocentrics. Afrocentrics is a female black-owned business which specializes in natural hair. Afrocentrics was formed by Rachel and her friend Joycelyn while they were in uni. They realized that there was a shortage of natural hair care products on the market and they started making their own. In 2017 they were the first black hair company to be in Whole Foods. In 2017 they managed to secure a £500,000 investment. In this episode Rachel and I will discuss how they started Afrocentrics what made them decide to get the investment, and what's next for Afrocentrics. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Rachel. Welcome, Rachel, to Who Move My Birkin podcast. I'm very, very excited to have you here. You are the co-owner of Afrocentrics. Yeah. And along you and Joycelyn. Yes, correct. I found out about Afrocentrics when I found out that you were in Whole Foods. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, that was 2016, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. It was before I started my brand, but it was like, it was good to see other black women in a big, like, commercial store, like Whole Foods. It kind of makes you feel like, oh, so this is possible. I can kind of do this kind of thing. That's why we are so
1: visible. Me and Joyce are actually quite private people. I'm a massive introvert. I don't really like to be in the spotlight. I'm not about that kind of busy, busy. (laughs) like but we noticed that we weren't seeing many people who looked like us achieve success which doesn't mean that black women weren't achieving success just that we weren't seeing much of it Mm -hmm. and we know that there can be you know a lot of barriers for people like us to overcome we thought okay let's share our successes let's share how we did it and hopefully that will lead to greater equity in future Mm -hmm anyone can achieve success and they won't think that they'll be held back because of things like gender or ethnicity.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to get into that a bit more a bit later. But first of all, I just want to find out what you're growing up like. Did you grow up in this country, like born and raised?
1: <laughs> yeah, I always joke that I grew up kind of between London and Accra. Um, my my dad tells me that when I was younger and people lost where I came from, I used to say Ghana Airways. I was back and forth so much. So my two older brothers were born in in Accra and I was born in London. So I suppose I'm a first generation immigrant.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Came over as a fetus. Yeah. Still here. Yeah. Did you go
0: back and forth when you were younger? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I I love Ghana. It's definitely my home and it's so welcoming. Even my four-year-old daughter, she's been twice. And she talks about Ghana all the time. She wants to go this Christmas. She really? Ghana oh, is my home. I mean, she does have a Ghanaian name and she loves it that people can actually pronounce it in Ghana. Yeah. Whereas here,
0: she gets all sorts of strange names. Of course. Yeah, because when she goes back to Ghana, it's like, oh yeah, I know your name. It's nothing, just rolls off the tongue. Exactly. It's yeah.
1: Just
0: so where did you and Joyce and meet?
1: Yeah, we met at university. So yeah. we both went to the University of Birmingham. Okay the grads i would study in law she was studying sociology and <laughs> we met because uh she was the other black girl in halls and i asked her where she got <laughs> her. Her hair looked really nice um and then she started to relax my hair for me funnily enough ah one day she just said i'm not doing this anymore it's not normal for you to have so many scabs and scars and burns on your scalp and you're always scratching it and it's just not healthy i've actually got really bad eczema wow. and i should not i had no Place. I was, just should not have been relaxing my hair ever but my mum had done it since I was about three or four me so too. it just seemed kind of the normal thing to do and essentially I went natural because Joycelyn stopped relaxing my hair so I forced. <laughs> <laughs> I had in the natural hair movement. I did not care. I went in my long straight blonde <laughs> weave, and, and that
0: was me. I was very happy. So when you went natural were you shocked by the texture of your hair? 'Cause I was very shocked. I was like, "You, hey, I've been my mum had been relaxing my hair since I could remember and I actually didn't know what my natural hair felt like. And then when yeah. I chopped it off, it was like, Oh, this yeah. is what I'm
1: working with. Exactly. So I'd only seen my hair kind of between weaves when I'd left it in for months. Yeah. <laughs> I'd taken it out and the ends had broken off and there was just this this mess. And I used to put a tie bandana, then put on a hood, then put on a flat cap and then like run to the hair salon at like 9 a.m on a Saturday before I woke up just so that I wouldn't bump <laughs> any boys from my school who yeah you know um yeah there was there was this strange layer of shame around my afro hair that grew out of my head and I had like this one picture of when my hair grew out and I was kind of feeling myself and I took a little MySpace selfie and at university I showed that to Joycelyn, or I think she just saw it she was a bit is a bit nosy so she was just going through my stuff she saw this picture and she said Rachel your your natural is nice why don't you wear it out and I just said I don't know how and she kind of helped me out so yes that was good and now I mean we just want people to have freedom so we don't think it's by force that you have to wear your hair naturally but we think the idea that natural hair only suits some people doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. you would say oh yeah, your natural skin colour only suits some people. Some people need to bleach, some people need to tan. It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Natural hair texture is going to suit you. Not every hairstyle will suit you. Not every length will suit you, but your texture will suit you. And this idea that natural hair is just for some people who have a certain texture of hair, that's what we're against at Afrocentrics. We think Mm -hmm. everyone should have the freedom to be able to wear their hair as it grows out of their head to know how to look after it, to know that it is attractive, it's professional, it's manageable. And then if they then choose to straighten it or to relax it, we wouldn't advise that, but it should be a free choice and not something that you feel like you have to do to fit in because yeah. you you're not good enough.
0: So that's where we are with Afrocentrics. We're all about promoting health and well-being. I am, I, I think I'm all for that because when I cut my hair, mm. I wore a wig to work So for like a yeah with, with everyone, everyone at work knew I was like bold underneath yeah <laughs> but I just felt so self-conscious to walk out in my natural state and growing up this whole good hair thing that we we get told yeah if we're gonna look at that my hair technically is not good hair because oh, I don't see hair and growing up you know people would say things about my natural hair so I definitely had a complex about that yeah but I feel like what you guys are trying to do and also with the help of like youtube and the movement actually really helped me have more confidence like i walk out the house like this and my hair right now is in african strand twist right I'm just like this is in africa this is how we walk up this is how we do it so why should it be any different now that we're in the diaspora do you know what i mean But mm-hmm. so when did you start making the products yourself
1: yeah, so we started in 2008, 2009, and it was never meant to be a business. We were trying to solve a problem for ourselves, and then we just decided, okay, let's put some money together, let's do some research together, let's come up with a prototype that really solves our problems, and then we can share that with other people. So we were just trying to fix the problems of dryness, of breakage, of you know, lack of blood circulation to the hair follicles. Mm-hmm for ourselves we also had a skin oil to use like right after you shower and that was supposed to fix the problem of you know dry skin for people like me who suffer from eczema and other yeah. such conditions and we had a whole heap of interest we had we built a really basic website and we had people contacting us from around the world asking for more information ah oh, we realized that we were onto something and actually uh, Yeah, we we felt we had a duty to help out this community that we had inadvertently formed just
0: trying to solve our own problems. Because at that time, there wasn't that many products for natural hair. No, there weren't. So there were a few. There was a brand called Hair We Grow
1: Natural. Okay. uh, More brand in the UK. And we really wanted to work with her. Uh, She had a full-time job and just wasn't really interested. um, But I think we did an event with her quite early on. Um, and there was Sheer Butter Cottage who still going Who, okay. um they do so less kind of blended products, more just kind of your organic Sheer Butter um, or other things like that. And we are all about collaboration, working together with others. So we've worked with various kind of up and coming brands along the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we found is time and time again, the same things would happen, that there were these barriers that meant... <laughs> you just weren't seeing people who were doing these things. And I'm not talking about, you know, obviously there have to be barriers to entry. So legally to sell cosmetics, you have to go through safety assessments. You have to go through challenge and stability testing. You have to do, you know, microbial testing. All of the EU regulations are important to make sure products are safe. Yeah. And I think uh, there are some brands who aren't aware of that and just kind of go straight from prototype to selling it without compliance with the legislation. Yeah. Sick. science safety uh but i'm not talking about those brands i'm talking about brands who are you know compliant who are trading legally who are selling safe products that really work and a lot of the time they hit this barrier where people aren't hearing of them because it's hard for them to get into big retailers because okay. it's hard for them to get traffic to their website and that means that rather than lots of people discovering these fantastic brands what's happening is people are thinking no one's doing it let me start something and then you have lots of people trying to solve the same problem so I hope that at some point some of these different people will kind of merge together you know we, we've actually hired people who initially wanted to start their own thing and we just thought you know we're stronger together All yeah Resources. um everyone in our team has a strong sense of ownership because we have a really flat hierarchy and we let people bring their ideas to the table things they're passionate about
0: they get to work on and they have to worry about the money side because me and Joyce and sort that out you managed to get your investment in 2017 or that's when you started your journey to seeking investment Uh,
1: we started raising investment yeah around 2017 we raised in 2018 and we actually received the funds in 2019 so it Uh can take a while so uh, my advice to people who want to raise investment is do your research figure out if you really need to and if you do so for us we needed to raise investment because we've got this huge global vision of making sure that every single person In the world with Afro and curly hair has access to safe, effective, natural products. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, you have to do it big. So we needed to raise uh, lots of businesses start raising a little bit too early or a bit too late. Mm -hmm. And too early is before you've made sure that you've got a product that people really want and that uh, it's something worth doing and it's something that needs investment. And too late is when you've got, you know, two or three months cash in the bank and you're a bit desperate. So it's ideal to plan it out, do your research, but make sure you raise investment from a place of, hey, if you put this money in, it's a great opportunity. We'll grow your money rather than you don't give us the money, the business. Yeah, because
0: that was going to be my next question. I was wondering if you decided to get the investment because you were now in Whole Foods. So the demand was now larger than previously because i'm guessing when you um with whole foods is it they, they buy from you wholesale and yeah. then they and then they sell it in their in their stores so yeah. how did you manage to cover that um demand that the whole whole foods needed did you have enough cash in the bank to cover the order mm-hmm. so me and Joycelyn have only been full-time on the business for a
1: few years yeah. and we've only taken a salary for a couple of years so Afro has been going for a little bit longer and we worked full-time jobs then part-time jobs Then I contracted and tutored and we did other things so that we could reinvest all the profits into the business Yeah, and that meant we hired other people we paid them But we weren't paying ourselves and even now like we'd make a lot more money if we just you know, went and got regular jobs uh, So we do it because <laughs> of the mission, but with Whole Food Gel yeah, we didn't have any issues with finances we were able to cover the cost of the manufacturing ourselves. We actually made the products ourselves with our own hands. Even my husband helped out. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, we just made them. We had some interns who were great who supported us in doing the slightly larger orders. Yeah. And I'd say Whole Foods is a really great first major retailer to work with because they order like a small business. They don't order like a large retailer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is a small business will order maybe every month and they'll order... You know, maximum a few hundred bottles. It's still relatively small amounts. Whereas yeah. a large retailer will come in and instantly want, uh, I don't know, thousands of yeah. bottles. And that's on pallets, you know, foam wrapped. That they have very specific ways that they want things done. Yeah. small businesses are a bit more flexible. And Whole Foods is somewhere in the middle. So even though you have to deal with their big head office in America, where they have hundreds of stores. In the UK, each store manager orders products as and when they need it rather than it oh going to the bank in place. So that means it's it is really quite easy to manage as long as you're on top of your operations and logistics, which we were because yeah. we'd been working we'd been in stores like G Baldwin's and the grocery and other small retailers for a while. So Oh right. I didn't it know.
0: Fun. It was a good I- way to grow. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. That's very insightful, actually. Cool. So how did you decide this is now the time for us to look for an investment?
1: Well, it's kind of that. So we researched it and we thought, mm, do we really want to sell equity? Because that's what you're doing. You're not just raising investment. Yeah. <laughs> equity. And we're very fussy about who we'd want to work with. In the end, the angel investors we had were fantastic. We're really, really pleased with the angels we got. So um, most of them are customers. Uh, they're, Black British people who really care about the community, care about what we're doing. Uh, one group actually formed an investment company uh, that's kind of named after us. Oh, wow. <laughs> to invest um, a group of customers. Uh, so that was really, really great. And then we ended up getting some investment from Backstage Capital, who are a VC fund in the state, and also <laughs> from SoftBank via WeWork in this slightly wild turn of events that I I wrote a Medium article about, but essentially it was about the scale that we were trying to reach. So if you want to be a large global organisation, you need a lot of capital. We didn't have any rich family members or friends to turn to, so it meant venture capital and that's where we are at the moment. So how did you decide how much equity to give away? So we were selling it rather than giving it away. And the valuation was calculated just based on... um, It's kind of complicated to explain, but based on things like the value of the brand, the value of the website, the amount of stock we had, the expertise, you know, all of these things essentially have to get a price on a line sheet. Uh, It feels very strange to price your team, (laughs) but it's uh, it's an important thing to do. So we reached a valuation... I think it was about 2 million that everyone was comfortable and happy with. And obviously you go back and forth with your investors. Funnily enough, about a year before we raised investment, someone had tried to buy half of the company. Oh, about uh, 30,000 pounds, which right. would put us at a valuation of 60,000. Uh, and we didn't go for it, even though it was tempting in some ways. And my husband said, absolutely not. And then a year later we had the valuation of 2 million. So It just goes to show sometimes hold off if something doesn't seem quite right.
0: Yeah. One question I want to ask you, actually, when I was reading your article, what's a pitch deck? Okay. So (laughs) a pitch deck is essentially
1: almost like uh, a set of slides. So something like PowerPoint presentation, but usually presented as a PDF that summarizes and describes your business in a similar way to a business plan but far more abbreviated. So it will cover, uh, you know, the problem you're trying to solve your solution, what your product is, who your team is, your market, the competition. Uh, It can cover other things as well, but those are the core things that a pitch deck usually includes. Yeah. And it's just a way for investors to understand your business within a few minutes so that they can decide whether or not this is something that they want to partner with you on.
0: Yeah. And you you two worked very, very hard to get that investment. I was like, wow, heads off to you. Because... (laughs) You were saying that you were here, there, and everywhere trying to get it <laughs> as much to the point where someone had to give birth. And another point, you were breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up, I was breastfeeding on stage whilst pitching the
1: company, which was interesting. <laughs> but again, I just thought, you know, mothers run businesses too, and it's not
0: very visible. So it's good for people to see that your life does not end if you have a baby. And this is the reality of the situation. You're going to run a business and also be a mother at the same time. Just a quick one, did you know that BQ London is currently offering 15% off all products if you use the code TAKE15? BQ London is the company I started in 2018 specializing in natural skincare. If you would like to buy some Christmas presents for a loved one or even for yourself, we have a range of products from face oils, massage oils, body butters, and not to mention our best-selling Good Skin reusable cleansing puff. Remember to use the code TAKE 15 when you're checking out to get 15% off. So after you received your investment, mm-hmm. that's scary, by the way. Like when you finally got it,
1: I prayed a lot, and I felt very confident that it was an answer So
0: yeah, so you're good. You're happy, and then how did life at Afrocentrics change? Mm -hmm. after you received that investment because obviously before it was just you and Joyce and running things and calling all the shots and deciding what was going to be done yeah once you received that investment you had your investors on board how did things change yeah so that stayed the same
1: (laughs) we were able to hire a team um, and we're able to you know delegate decision making to them it's actually exhausting to call all the shots and make all the decisions and I really don't understand control freaks because it's exhausting I get real decisional fatigue <laughs> My husband will ask me what I want to eat at the weekend and I'm like please I don't I can't make you. <laughs> what do you want to eat you tell me and we just saw I, I think the major changes were we were able to rebrand so I don't know if you remember, Afrocentrics used to have this white packaging that was not very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of designed with a friend um, in 2012. Yeah. And he did a revamp. And we, so we rebranded, we changed our logo, we changed our design, which was all great. Uh, we hired a team. We we were able to invest in some more manufacturing equipment so that we could make more batches make them faster we updated our website those were kind of the major things and then we were also able to do a little bit more marketing which is always helpful too yeah
0: in terms of production
1: your scale now must be crazy we've got bigger machines and we've just done our first large manufacturing run with a, with a contract manufacturer yeah um, so the first time we've ever done that and they've made ten thousand units of each of the products which is exciting, Um, yeah,
0: it's a big step for us. So is it, um, your premises, so do you have like a factory setting where you make the product? So we've got kind of a small,
1: um, I mean, our office basically looks like a factory if you come in, because we have so much (laughs) machinery. So we've actually uh, recently done some work to split it off, to separate out those spaces a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we've worked with a really fantastic contract manufacturer who specialise in natural products, And we worked closely with them for a few years to make sure they got our formulations right so that they would be the same um, and that they were able to scale them up to larger batches because we do small batch, high-frequency production, Mm -hmm. Afrocentrics premises, So this allows us to just up our capacity a bit more and, yeah, expand across the country, which Mm -hmm. is the plan. So right now, where
0: do you sell the products? Obviously, you sell them online yeah mainly online about
1: 90% of our sales are through our website uh, we get a lot of traffic and that's that's our main focus uh we're also in Whole Foods as you mentioned we're in the clean and conscious beauty concept store in the Bullring ring for Holland and Barrett okay we're negotiating with them rolling out into more stores as well and we're, we're talking to a few major retailers who have approached us recently, but the best place to buy us really is our website because we can make sure everyone is taken care of, which is our main focus to make sure that black women get excellent customer service.
0: Yeah. It's been lacking. I agree. In terms of retailers, how, do you, how did you manage to get into Whole Foods? Was it just like a kind of cold email or cold phone call to their buyer and say, this is us and this is what we do. We want to be in your store
1: yeah pretty much uh then we found out their address and we dropped off a package with you know some different products for them to try out and they were actually really excited because they'd been searching for a product for afro hair for five years and they just hadn't found anything of the right quality that had only the ingredients that they are allowed to sell because they have a long list yeah. of ingredients so yes they were super excited people said that They don't really negotiate. We spoke to a few food businesses who were in Whole Foods and they said, you know, these are the margins they're going to give you. They don't negotiate. And we presented significantly different margins and they agreed. But they didn't they didn't even want to negotiate. They wanted the product so much
0: that they just said yes to everything. Oh, that's amazing. It was a wonderful first uh, major retailer to work with. And the other retailers, you said some retailers have approached you now in terms of getting into their stores. Is okay. it more or less the same concept in terms of, I know they do say a lot that the margins in, in the bigger retailers, um, if we're going to talk things like Boots or Superdrug, that the margins for those stores, more chance you're going to make a loss than you are, you're going to make a profit. Exactly. Would you recommend for a small business to go into such a large retail, retailer? Retailer
1: uh not early on not until you've built your brand it depends on your cash flow really because as you said the margins are not wonderful (laughs) uh you get squeezed quite a lot and that often means that brands end up compromising on quality Mm -hmm. so i would say just make sure you're watching your cash flow if you choose to go into a large retailer and ask yourself why i think any business proposition needs to be win-win so if you're working with the retailer and they're getting a large margin, why, what is it that they're actually offering you? And I think it's super important to ask that question.
0: Yeah. Before your investment, what kind of marketing did you do to get your brand out there? Um, Especially, I think we're were kind of going from, I think maybe from like 2012, we kind of had a rise of the natural hair products, um, Mm -hmm. smaller ones and bigger ones. I mean, like people like Duck and Lovely, then they were launching their natural hairline and stuff. How did you manage to market your brand to make sure you stood out from the other companies?
1: Yeah, sure. So we worked with brand ambassadors. So we trained people up on hair science, on how to use our products, how to advise people. And we got them in the stores where we had shelf presents. So we had quite a few independent stores. Even before Whole Foods, we were in, I think, about 12 different stores. Okay. We had brand ambassadors physically there. We would also run events.
0: Mm. So
1: we ran events where people could come and get advice on their hair. We hosted parties. We sponsored different events. We did flyers and we would stand and, you know, hand out our flyers, hand out samples. Uh, we did goodie bags, we did YouTube videos and we've had a blog that we've kept up for years where we try to answer all the common questions. So information that a lot of people would charge for, we give out for free. We you know, do a lot of research to make sure it's scientifically backed, verifiable information. And I think those became the things we were known for. So word of mouth marketing has been fantastic for us. People just telling friends and family about us because they like the products. I think that's the best
0: kind of marketing to have. It really is. I was, um, I'm part of this Facebook group called black owned economy. And um, someone posted a a question asking for natural hair products. Basically someone recommended your brand. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, this is amazing. When you get to a point where people recommend your products and you don't have to promote them yourself anymore. Yeah. That I think that is the sweet spot where now, because if you recommend your products to me, I might not be as convinced because I feel like you're trying to sell to me. But if someone else recommends your products to me, I'm more likely to think, okay, you know, word of mouth, you trust them. So I'm going to trust them too. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was really fantastic when I saw that in there. Um, so, so when you got your investment and then you got your, marketing budget what kind of marketing did you do like on a larger scale in terms of when you have a big budget what kind of marketing can you do to get your brand out there yeah so then we started to just do the
1: same thing on a bigger scale so bigger events uh we increased our digital marketing Uh so pay per click ads and uh you know boosting organic posts on facebook and and instagram has been good as well so those things have made quite a big difference Yeah. Right.
0: cool. And has your business been affected by COVID? Yeah, definitely. In Uh, a good way?
1: Mm, No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) We had some large retail contracts that we were about to sign. And due to COVID, those were all pushed and delayed. So that's, you know, tens of thousands worth of pounds of orders just gone. yeah. Yeah. And we had, there was an intern we were going to start and we had to pause on that we were going to launch a new product and that all got paused and initially our sales dipped massively online. So all our sales went downhill. Um, We decided to kind of stop marketing and just focus on helping other people. We thought if our sales are down, we're having difficulties. I'm sure that other people in our community who are also small business owners will have similar challenges. So we decided to just do our community spotlight and focus on helping others. And funnily enough, people then decided to buy our products more. <laughs> so we had a huge amount of growth online. Yeah. the the fact that all the black hair shops was were closed was something that helped with kind of raising awareness for Afrocentrics because people were asking for recommendations. Yeah. And as I said, lots of people recommend Afrocentrics, which is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the post I was talking about I think it was actually based on that whole the shops are closed but I think it was during lockdown that the shops are closed I need some hair care what can I use and someone recommended you
1: mm-hmm. um
0: so what's next so we're just going to round up now what's next for Afrocentrics? I know you said you had a new product that was going to come out but it didn't come out mm-hmm. can you share what it is
1: yeah sure so it's called spring and it is a twist in butter it's been yeah. that yeah <laughs> it's great it's really really good um I'm so frustrated we haven't been able to launch it because it's one of my favorite AfroEssentix products, but it's not actually on the shelves yet. Yeah. Uh, so we're raising investment again. We're actually raising a seed round and we have a lead investor, which is very exciting. Uh, this time we're aiming to raise between one and two million and we want to hire more people. So we're currently recruiting for a front end developer stroke growth hacker. Yeah. Uh, we'll also be recruiting some other roles around digital marketing and uh, around customer experience too so and possibly the cosmetic chemist although we have someone starting as an intern so it's all kind of coming together it's very exciting and over the next six months we hope to close the round make those hires and launch the product so it's going to be a busy time at the moment we're just focusing on our christmas campaign we've just released our first ever christmas ad and we have Christmas gift sets, so we're promoting those so everyone knows that they can
0: give the gift of healthy hair. <laughs> yes, we need that. But I feel like I have never received a hair product as a present, and I'd love it. I would honestly love to receive that. the <laughs> word. So yeah, our, our Christmas ad is all about that because people
1: think that things like you know, the, you know those little sets that have a shower gel, body cream, they smell really bad, but it looks pretty in the box. And yeah, no really one uses much. it. No one uses it. But people think it's Christmas time. What do you do? You get one of those sets. So, what we're trying to show is there are other options. <laughs> and our hashtag is get it right this year. I didn't give a gift they'll actually like. So, we've got sets like you can get our swish and swirls, so our shampoo and conditioner with our microfiber towel turban.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: recently been featured on the Indie Best. Um, list of you know the the best microfiber towels it's a really great way to dry your hair quickly in like 15 minutes without having to use a blow dryer so you know better for the planet better for your hair and we think that's a nicer set I would rather receive shampoo conditioner and cute little microfiber towel than a sponge that I'm never going to use 100% smelly bath products that I'm <laughs> never going to use <laughs> so. So do you spread the word that we have our <laughs> gift sets and we'll keep our gift shop running for a while so that, you know, people can get them for Valentine's Day and for Mother's Day as well.
0: Of course. All right, so I have two questions. Sure. So first one is, what does success look like to you? What does success
1: look like? Uh, so for me, individually, success is about reaching my potential whilst keeping... Keeping my life in line with my ethics. Mm-hmm. So making lots of money but mistreating people or destroying the planet to do it is not of interest to me. That is not success. That's I think quite sad. Uh, yeah, I'm only I'm I'm interested in like doing my best work. Yeah, and I think that when I do my best work and I do that uh, <laughs> with a moral code, that that leads to a successful life.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I I think kind of like selling your soul isn't it exactly not all money is good money yep and there's lots of rich miserable people in the world so that is very true (laughs) and the second one do you think as a woman you can have it all so that is your business is thriving your marriage is thriving your kids are thriving your friendships and your sisterhood and brotherhood everything do you think you can have it all at the same time (laughs)
1: That's so funny. Uh, do you think men can have
0: it all I feel like they have it better than us do you, why do you say that I feel like in society men are kind of allowed to chase their dreams more than we are mm-hmm. so I, that's why I feel very strongly about when you went there and you're breastfeeding your child on stage because it's showing that you can have your child But I'm also about my business, so you can't discount me just because I'm a mother, which is often what we experience, Oh, we often get mummy shamed, do you know what I mean? You try to go back to work too soon after giving birth, people are like, oh, what about your child? Or if you decide to stay at home, people are less like, oh, so what about your career? But I feel like men don't get that as much. Yeah, that's probably true.
1: Uh, I think, uh, so I, I have a very mixed relationship with the phrase have it all, because I think it can... You know, cause a lot of pressure, make people feel as though they're not doing what they need to do. I think you can have the life that you want to have <laughs> and for some people that's going to mean a husband and kids and staying at home to look after them, for some people it's going to mean a career, for some people it's going to mean a mixture of the two and I think it also changes the different points in your life so there's nothing wrong with you know being a career woman and then saying actually I want a family, um or being someone who who juggles a family and a career and then says, this is exhausting, I'm taking a break. And then after a hiatus comes back and continues. I think it, it depends on the individual because what success looks like, what happy life looks like is going to vary so much from person to person. Yeah. And I do think that as much as we want to show different people doing different types of things, we just don't want people to be shamed. I had to tell off a male friend Because he said that he shared a picture of me uh, doing my pitch on stage whilst pregnant with his partner who was pregnant saying, stop complaining, look what Rachel's doing. And I said, you're lucky we're not in the same room. So I can't give you a backhand because you know better than this. What is this nonsense? So we had a good frank conversation about that. And uh, I explained that, you know, uh, pitting people against each other is not, uplifting or beneficial but also you don't see everything else so the whole day before I pitched I was sitting down I was on my feet my husband drove me to the gate in fact he drove me to the hospital earlier I went and had to check up at the hospital first and then I got an uber to the gate and then after the pitch my husband picked me up right he got a special pass to go right inside where cars were not meant to go he picked me up and I went home and I spent the next day closing business deals in my bed. I was talking to lawyers. I was talking to investors. I was in bed, and then the day after that, I gave birth. And oh wow! Work, of course, how <laughs> to give him birth? Oh yeah, yeah. It was my G date, but i new baby wasn't coming. It was my second baby. I was like, I know my body. <laughs> He's not coming today. It's calm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. All right. So, where can people find you? Uh, afrocentrics.com. So
1: A-F-R-O-C-E-N-C-H-I-X, and we're on every platform. We're even on TikTok now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube as at Afrocentrics. We're also on Pinterest. So come hang out with us online.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend Afrocentrics as well. So everyone needs to go and get some, especially for Christmas. Yes. Some that we actually want this year. <laughs> <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really, really, really appreciate this. I'm sure everyone's going to love it as much as I have enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks. That was episode four of Who Moved My Back In. I was joined by Rachel, the co-founder of Afrocentrics, a natural hair care company. Remember, the website is afrocentrics.com. If you'd like to join in the conversation, use the hashtag Who Moved My Back in. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, please send an email to who moved my back in at gmail.com. In the subject line, put guest and your name. And in the body of the email, please put in your name, the company, the website, and the social handles. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Bye.